thank you for joining me for another episode. My name is Stefan Van Norden, and this is Nature Revisited. One of the most rewarding aspects of doing this podcast is that I get the opportunity to connect with very interesting people and to share what they are doing. I have a list of episodes that I am hoping to do and people I would love to interview. But homesteading was not on my list, nor was Angela Fanning. One evening, while strolling through my Instagram posts, I came across Axe and Root homesteading and started to follow it. Soon, I began to realize that homesteading is not just a lifestyle change, nor a back-to-the-land movement, or a gesture to the past, but rather a serious and viable response to the present and the future. I called Angela to see if she would talk with me about how she became a homesteader. It wasn't long into our conversation that I realized I was talking with someone who was very passionate about the changes that she and her family had made and to feel the incredible energy that she brings to homesteading every day. So, after tending to the horses and the vegetable garden and the other chores, Angela found the time to sit down and talk with me about the choices she and her family had made. with kind of a, a wider view of, of homesteading and then we'll narrow, narrow it down to you personally. For a, a lot of us, we probably think of homesteading as something a hundred years ago. Only within the last maybe five to eight years has there been a big push for people to keep chickens in their backyards. So for example, I have a brother-in-law that lives out in San Francisco and they are starting to see more and more chicken keepers in a city environment, which is really interesting. People, I think, with all of the food recalls and now, obviously, with COVID, people want to feel self-sufficient because it's almost like a food safety thing. People are kind of tired of returning their spinach or now their onions or having to destroy them because they can't eat them. There's a piece of comfort that comes with knowing where your food came from, having grown it yourself, and then that's kind of extending from backyard vegetables and crops to chickens. And then chickens, they're, chickens and ducks, they're joked to be the gateway animal because after that, people are like, oh, my God, if I can have vegetables and eggs, I should, I should do milk, you know? And then they get addicted, which I did, to homesteading. And before you know it, you have 10 beehives in your backyard like I do. <laughs> I think homesteading is definitely becoming more popular both in rural and urban settings. And people are growing food on their balconies more than they ever have, just as much as people are turning their backyards into vegetable garden oases more than ever before. What is a homesteader? I think a homesteader is somebody who is mindful of where their food comes from and strives to be self-sufficient with their food sources. 
I don't think you necessarily have to have a lot of land or own animals. I think it's about sourcing as much as you can from your backyard or your very local, very immediate surroundings. Sort of this roots campaign to have as much truly local, like immediate local sources for food as possible and making as much of it as you can with your own hands. So let's talk about you and how you found your way to being a homesteader. It was never on my radar when I was younger. I was not raised in a homesteading or a farm environment. I grew up in the Midwest, but that was as close as I got to having something in common with a farmer. I was New York City bound. I worked for 10 years to create my own graphic and website design business. I felt that I wanted to be closer to New York City and I wanted to be on the East Coast. And I was really working towards being the next big thing in design. And then my husband and I found out that we were pregnant. I had this whole plan about how I was gonna balance a baby and a business. It was so hard and so stressful. I had postpartum depression, and it was all sort of culminating together to be like, look, this is not what I want my life to look like. I don't want to sit behind a computer all the time and be stressed about deadlines. I want to be outside with my child. I want to see the sun. I want to do things that are more tangible and sort of feel more raw and real. I'd always been interested in having a small backyard garden for a few vegetables, and I loved to grow ornamental plants. But I was talking to my husband about it, and I said, look, I don't want to do this anymore. What if I grew our own food? And he's like, well, you'd have to grow your own food if we weren't going to have your paycheck. We, we need to supplement that income somehow. I took that as a serious challenge, and I taught myself how to grow my own food and to preserve it so that we could eat it year-round. That is how my homesteading adventure sort of began. One of the reasons that this transition was easy for us is because he was the breadwinner when it came to our finances. So even though we were both working full time, he made more in his occupation than I did with my design business. And so it worked out for him to say, yeah, you know, I'll keep working. I'll keep doing this full time and we'll offset your, your job. We have had one very steady income through this whole thing that we could rely on and count on. So we did have the luxury of that. I always tell people not everybody has to close their design business to start homesteading or close their job or quit their job. It can be baby steps. I was very fortunate to have the opportunity to be able to do that. And so he still works. He's, the, he's a farmer and handyman on the weekends and often on evenings when he's done with his job. <laughs> but I, I, I run and manage the farm. I'm the beekeeper. I'm the gardener, harvester. I take everything to the food pantry, horse trainer, horse groomer. You know, I, I do all of it. Typical day is very busy, very, very busy. <laughs> it's, a, it's go, go, go. I get up at, um, let's say on average, six o'clock. So it's not too bad. I get up, I'm the first up, I go out. I sort of do the morning rounds with the ducks and the horses and the other animals. I get everybody fed. So we go through the breakfast routine. We hang out together for a little bit, maybe watch a little TV while I answer some emails or some calls, and then we're off to do the lunch rounds. So that means that I'm restocking hay for the horses, checking their fly spray, checking waters for all of the animals, and potentially starting to do 
the actual chores of cleaning the stalls and some of the more laborious activities. In the afternoon, we're all just hanging out together as a family. We go through the dinner routine. And then after dinner, uh, I go back out and close everything up. So that means, again, any nighttime feedings or any waterings that need to happen and shut everything up for the night. And then while I'm doing that, my husband puts the kids to bed. And then when I come back in, usually he's still putting the kids to bed because he's fallen asleep. So that's when I get my downtime and I relax. So what is it about homesteading that kind of caught your eye? You know, even when I started growing my own food, I didn't envision that we were going to get ducks or animals or try to entertain the idea of becoming beekeepers or anything like that. I was solely focused on the idea of a backyard garden and then incorporating edible plants into our ornamental landscaping. So rather than go buy something decorative like a spirea, I bought a flowering cherry shrub with edible cherries. And so... I was just really stuck in the mindset of produce, fruits and vegetables. It wasn't until my husband said, what if we do fresh eggs? That I said, well, I don't, I don't really like chickens. <laughs> and he said, well, you don't have to have chickens for eggs. What if we have ducks? And I said, can you have a duck egg? And he's like, I think so. Well, it turns out Whole Foods was selling individually packaged duck eggs. And so we bought one and we were like, okay, I, yeah, this works. And so we, that was, that was the first animal we brought home were three Cayuga ducks and we created our little coop and we learned everything about them sort of on the fly and talked to people. That was the beginning of our animal keeping adventures. I've always liked horses, even though I never thought I would be a farmer. I always liked horses. Now I decided on Clydesdales. It's an aesthetic thing. I like the way that they look, but mostly I like that they are multifunctional. So not only can I use them for leisure trail riding, but I have the ability to plow with them. One is a rescue, and we think he's an Amish horse. So he has plow experience, even though I didn't. So he kind of helped me to learn. And then the other horse I got from a local Clydesdale farm, and she was a trail riding horse. She has no plow experience, and so that's something that I'm trying to work with her on. They're pets, they're, they're for leisure riding, and then they are actually for plowing and tilling, like they helped us till the space where my husband planted his vineyard for wine grapes. That transitions us over to the vineyard. We have 50 Pinot Noir grapes. We make a lot of our own wine, but now we would like to actually add the component of pressing our own grapes. We have 10 hives for honeybees. They did so well that I was able to split them and they swarmed and I caught those. And now we have 10 for honey, which we obviously eat and then we also sell. We have something crazy like 40 ducks for eggs. We have geese. Geese lay eggs seasonally. We do sell their eggs at the farm stand also from roughly February to May. But their main purpose is that they are guardians and then lastly, we have the sheep. So the sheep came here in April, and we are using the sheep for two reasons. The first is because they clear brush. Most people think of goats for that purpose, but we use sheep because we have a lot of grassed, grass-based foliage here. And then in addition, we'll be shearing them and using them for wool. So we are a full farm at this time uh, as far as animals go. 
We also have the vegetable plot. Uh, one third of our harvests go to the food pantry every week. We tap our own uh, maple trees in the wintertime for maple syrup. We boil down the sap and cre- we create maple syrup. And then uh, we have a small orchard. So fruit trees are planted throughout the property and we are harvesting our own fruit. So how much did nature have to do with your decision? So uh, I've always been very eco-conscious. I, when I had a graphic design business, I actually self-published, wrote a book and self-published about eco-friendly graphic design. You can find it on Amazon still. What I, I guess what I'm getting at is for me, there's always been an element of trying to be earth conscious and trying to be aware and mindful of my carbon footprint. Homesteading just sort of naturally fell in line with this mindset of self-sufficiency living next to the land and relying on the seasons to grow what I'm eating, it definitely coincides with a love and a reliance on nature. I don't think it was as difficult a shift as one might think because I was so eco-conscious. A lot of these things I had already implemented, they just sort of transferred in my mind or shifted in my mind from being hobbies to now being a way of life. So it almost became my job. You know, I wanted to make sure that I was learning everything that I could very quickly about growing food successfully and preserving it successfully. I think the biggest thing was just that it it was really cool and amazing to see the transformation in our family from reliance on the grocery store and seeing how easy it really was to become self-sufficient once you were really able to commit to it. Because it is a commitment. It's a big time commitment. And there's a lot of energy that needs to go into learning how to do it and then actually executing the physical task of doing it. So once that commitment was made, it was a lot easier than I think that I thought it would be, but it didn't feel foreign. This has become sort of my main focus in life, my main effort uh, for about eight years. So that includes the time from when I sowed the seeds and said, you know what, this is my source of food, to now having the large farm setup that we do. As far as surprises go, a lot of homesteading is learning through experience. You're never, ever going to be able to know it all and then dive in because there's always something that comes up that is a learning opportunity. There's highs and lows and you can never foresee them coming. I mean, you can prepare as much as you want to, but there's just no way for somebody to open a book and say, this is everything you need to know for ducks or for bees or for gardening. So, I mean, some of the surprises were when I went to a nearby farm and thought I was buying straw to mulch my garden with, and it turned out to be hay. And for that entire season, I was a hay gardener because my vegetable plots turned into grass plots. (laughs) Another surprise was, so in our yard, we have a lot of silver maples. And I thought if you were tapping for maple syrup, that silver maple will come out somewhat close to what a sugar maple should produce. It doesn't. That was a surprise. So a lot of the surprises that I've had are sort of based on different fundamentals that you learn along the way. When did you kind of first realize and what made you kind of realize that 
you were a homesteader, that you had gotten there. We first bought a house in New Jersey. We were not at the property we are at now. We had three quarters of an acre that I was using to grow this sort of first wave of food. We, we brought the ducks home. We brought goats in. And the idea at that time had been to use these goats for milk. Well, I think when I was gardening, the neighbors looked at us as passionate gardeners, both ornamental and vegetable gardeners. And then when we got the ducks, it was, oh, that's cute. You know, they have the garden, they have the ducks. That's a, that's a sweet little hobby farm setup. When we brought the goats in, we were the crazy people that lived at the end of the street with the goats. And we got a lot of complaints. City wanted us to give up the goats or get out. I had never in my life thought that I would feel passionately about the right to keep a goat. But we went through all of the rigmarole with the zoning office and we decided, you know what, this is a lifestyle that we have a right to lead. This is something we want to do. We're not going to give up self-sufficiency and homesteading. We'd rather pack up all our stuff and move than just give up these goats and take the easy route and stay in place. And I think that is sort of when I realized that maybe our lifestyle choices were not in line with everybody else's. And it's funny because a lot of the criticism that we received were people that claimed to be eco-friendly and eco-conscious. And they were some of our biggest critics. My husband and I really just sort of said, look, we're not doing this anymore. We're fighting for this. We're going to do this. We're going to find a place with plenty of land. And we're not only going to keep doing what we're doing now, we're going to keep growing. I think that's when I really felt myself to be on the verge of becoming a farmer and transitioning, not just from homesteading, but to actually considering myself a small-time farmer. A lot of what we do looks different than maybe a typical American family. My kids suit up and we go to the beehives together. Sometimes they'll come out and harvest eggs with me. I'll take them in the garden and they'll harvest produce as well. My kids understand that farm operations need to be tended to and need to happen regardless of whether it's sunny or raining or we have a blizzard. Just last night, actually, in the pitch black, uh, well after my son, youngest son's bedtime, he's three years old, I went out on a hornworm hunt in the vegetable garden. And the way you do that is in the dark, take a blacklight flashlight with you. And if you see a hornworm, it lights up blue. And that's the best time to pick them off of your plants. Otherwise, your tomatoes are just, they're gone. I don't know that a lot of parents would be comfortable with letting their kids stay up until 9, 30, 10 o'clock to go hornworm hunting. That is an educational opportunity. The more involvement they have in this homestead or in this farm, the more ownership they feel. So this isn't just about my husband and I creating sort of a farm environment for our kids. It's all, it's all of our farm. They're all of our animals. Kind of describe how your relationship with nature has deepened. I have become very dependent on Mother Nature, but also um, we coexist respectfully. And so what I mean by that is we have an organic garden. We don't spray pesticides or chemicals. Any amendments we add to the soil are things that Mother Nature might put there on her own, like wood ash. We have learned 
sort of natural, holistic ways to fertilize our fruit trees. So for apples, underneath the apple trees, we plant comfrey. We also plant horseradish because their root systems go so deep into the ground via this taproot system that they pull nutrients that the apple tree wouldn't otherwise get. So we have found ways to work with Mother Nature and respect Mother Nature and lower our carbon footprint. I say that I'm dependent on nature more than ever because now, as somebody who's growing their own food, I realize more than ever that I have little to no control over the garden. So if pests decide to show up in a particular season, like now New Jersey's invaded with the lanternfly, I've got to be creative and find a way to work around or with that. My job is to find a way to adapt as a farmer. So I've become largely dependent on the weather more than ever. It's interesting to try to keep weeds at bay and wildlife at bay in a fashion that is respectful and not destructive so I can still farm successfully and do what we're trying to do here. From that practical relationship with nature, how is that affecting you spiritually as you move forward? I feel more whole spiritually as a person. I feel more part of nature. I don't feel sort of like I'm a person above nature. I, I now feel, I just feel more part of a whole. There's a part of me that feels more maybe complete than it did before because I put myself back in nature and I'm, I'm definitely not out of it anymore. I don't sit behind a computer. I mean, I'm immersed in it. I live and breathe it all day, every day. My hair is wet when it's raining. I have a sunburn when it's sunny. So every single element of nature and, and the weather is affecting every single day of my life. So would you recommend homesteading to others? I do. I think it's something that everyone can learn to do and everyone can do. That being said, I think it's something that should be entered into cautiously because this life is not for everyone. It takes a lot of commitment. It is a lifestyle change. It definitely, homesteading, I mean, yes, you can definitely dabble in it and it can be a hobby, but to really delve into the homesteading lifestyle and become dependent on your farm or your homestead, I don't know that that is necessarily for everyone, but it's accessible for anyone who's interested or feels passionate about it. As a society, we talk about, or a lot of people do, that we do need a cultural change that things cannot stay the same way. So my question is, do you see homesteading as a, a viable option for people who want to make that change? I think it's a, it's a great option. You're removing a lot of the reliance on things that are bad for the environment. There's a lot about homesteading that can help a person show more respect to nature. And a lot of it is healthier. A tomato or a strawberry that is harvested from the backyard at prime harvesting time scientifically has been proven to withhold more nutrients than if it was picked early, 
packaged and shipped on a truck so that by the time it reached the grocery store shelf, it was ripe. It does not hold the same nutrients as one that is actually picked when it was supposed to be. So when I was looking into homesteading, I did a lot of books. There are a lot of amazing books on homesteading and vegetable gardening naturally, organically, right in your backyard. There's some great guides out there. YouTube is an excellent source of information. There's so many people out there that are passionate about what they're doing and want to share it. So YouTube's a great resource. If you hop on Instagram, which has been actually one of my favorite places because I've I've connected with people and I've created friendships with people who farm not only nearby me and in my growing zone so we can bounce ideas off of each other, but all over the country. And so I learn different ways of doing things and that my way isn't the only way. And I have built an amazing support network, an amazing group of friends. And then there's a lot of magazines, Mother Earth News, Countryside Magazine, Backyard Poultry Magazine, Grit Magazine. There's there's no way to read it all or to absorb it all. There's so much information. One of the Big things that I try to do is share knowledge and support community over competition. So I am just out there to share everything that I've learned to get where I am and to answer questions and create a resource that, you know, I really enjoyed having when I was on this homesteading adventure. If you go to our website, axeandrootehomestead.com, you'll see a link to classes. And there's a couple of things there. There's an introduction to beekeeping, learn how to grow your own food in less than 60 minutes, soap making, etc. So what is the future for you? When we first talked, you mentioned that you might be going from a homesteader Mm -hmm. to a farmer. When coronavirus started to spread in our region, fresh food might be more difficult to access for different communities. And so what I decided is that I was going to try and grow uh, more food than I ever had before. So instead of just supplying my family with food, I was going to grow more and sell it at our farm stand. And then I was going to grow even more than that and donate it to the food pantry. So the reason that I consider myself more of a farmer now is I'm not just feeding myself and I'm not just feeding my household. Um, Now I'm trying to feed a community. You know, I feel really proud of that. I'm I'm not a large farm. I'm not a huge produce farm. But to be able to have enough so that we are completely and totally comfortable and I'm putting food out at the stand and people are stopping and coming to my door and saying hello and thank you. And that's a pretty awesome feeling. So, yes, now I'm starting to consider myself more of a farmer. And I think this is a space that I want to continue to be in. I really, really like the feeling that comes with giving back. And then the other thing that we started with coronavirus was Just to bring smiles to people's faces, we started creating bouquets of flowers, whether they are grown here from seed or bulb or whether they're wildflowers in our pastures. And we create bouquets and we set them out at the farm stand for free. And the idea is that if you feel that you need a bouquet that day, just get one. People tell us thank you. They leave notes in our little payment box about how much they appreciate it. Next year, I'll be creating... um, more areas, more garden plots for flowers, specifically for the purpose of giving them away. What would you like my listeners to take away from your story, from your journey? I think just that if you feel a calling, if you want to take the next step and try to be more reliant 
on Mother Nature, try homesteading. And it doesn't have to be all or nothing. You don't have to grow all of your own food. You can start with a tomato plant. You can start small. Maybe you start then dabbling with keeping a backyard chicken or a backyard duck. Maybe you look at soap making. Maybe you decide that you want to go mushroom foraging or um, tap a tree for maple syrup. All of these skills tend to be more eco-friendly because it's right in your backyard. It's local. You've reduced the amount of packaging and transit emissions to get it to you. And so it's just one more way that you can be out in nature while doing something for nature. I hope you enjoyed my visit with Angela Fanning and that you will visit her website, axeandroothomesteading.com to learn more about homesteading and the life of a homesteader. I hope you will share this edition with family, friends, and colleagues. You can follow us on Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. If you would like to support us or share your thoughts and ideas, please visit us at nordenproductions.com. That's Norden, N-O-O-R-D-E-N Productions. Com. Nature Revisited is produced by Stefan Van Orden and Charles Gagan. And I hope you will join us for the next edition of Nature Revisited. And in the meantime, do remember, we are nature. <laughs>